Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL, it's in full swing right now. And guess what's right around the corner? Baseball, baby. And the only place you should be betting on any of these sports right now is at BetOnline.ag. Are you not into sports? No problem. They even cover awards, TV shows, and reality TV. And that's where BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything that you can imagine. And don't forget about the 24-hour online casino. So head to the web Website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. Can't get that anywhere else at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining the pod. I'm so excited. Spring is in the air, so it's time to talk a little baseball right now. We're going to hit the south side with a couple of resident guests that I'm so happy to have back in the fold. We took some time off. We're rested. We're recuperated. We're ready to roll. So let's bring him in right now. Pat Reedy, how are you, my friend? Buddy, so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Nick Morawski, my good friend, welcome back. Another season is upon us, and this one's pretty exciting. Oh, it is. It is, Joey. Thank you so much for having me, buddy. Let's dive right into it. The Chicago White Sox, they're in spring training. The birds are chirping. Tony La Russa, uh, looks like it's all bygones be bygones. We were just texting on the thread the other day. We're Nick, Nick, we're going to start with you. Just we were talking about how excited we are for the season. So let's just stick with the emotional aspect of this before we bring it onto the field. I'm as pumped for this season as I've been in maybe 14, 15 years. Just talk about that excitement, Nick, as they're going to start playing some games pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, the last time the Sox won 90 games, that was 2006. Uh, so they broke the uh, playoff drought uh, last year in the abbreviated season. And we knew, um, you know, after Ricky, you know, Renteria was like, oh, we just knew this team was going to be stacked uh, in 2021, the talent. Um, and then we knew they were going to make moves. We didn't know what kind of moves, but then we saw, you know, the Lynn situation and uh, bringing Eaton in for, you know, shoring up a little bit of the, you know, outfield. You got Kopech coming back that's healthy. I don't know if I'll ever understand the Tony Larusa, and I don't think I need to understand the Tony Larusa decision, but I can compartmentalize as a fan. Like he wants to be back in baseball, he seems to be enjoying back, being back in baseball. And all of like, this is the honeymoon period right now. And there's just nothing but good, good vibes left and right. Everybody is just complimenting one another. It's so good to see, you know, the smile on Tim Anderson's face and Mankata, a healthy Mankata. You know, what uh, Giolito's saying about Lynn, how Lynn's complimenting Keuchel is just all good stuff. It's overload right now, but in, a, but in a great way. All these roster moves, new faces, those new faces are now in uniforms. Pat, just talk about the excitement, the emotions that are coming into these guys now being on the field in those uniforms. It's the 1960s. Just do what you feel. I mean, the White Sox are loving each other. It's the summer of love. I mean, look out. The, the news coming out of spring training is only how much they love one another. Like Nick said, it's insane. I mean, honest to God, we have a team that has World Series or bust aspirations. I mean, how exciting is that? I, I always have to check myself when I get mad. Oh, I wish we spent like the Mets did. Or, oh, I wish we went out and got, you know, guy X or guy Y, whatever. This team is talking about World Series or bust, and I'm a fan of that team. I have to check myself every once in a while and remain grateful. That is pretty damn cool. And I'm already now just imagining in my head, uh, Dallas Keuchel, he's got like the the robe on with the conch shells kind of walking around barefoot. Oh, yeah. in the, you know what I mean? Herb Schneider's, you know, dropping an LSD hit like right underneath the tongue of 
of Yasmani Grandal, Tim Anderson, and Tony Larusa exploring each other. It's a wild time. It's the only <laughs> fu- it's it's the only food Herb Schneider has ever shared. So that is really that's really and a touch. It would really be nice if Bill Beck would be alive for this. He would have a heyday. He would take off that fake false leg, that wood leg of his. He'd be taking shots out of his leg. This is the time that he would really thrive. This excitement and the personalities on this team. You saw Mankata's uh, music video recently. You know, you get some of those White Sox rompers, give those Ooh. out, you know, in July. Uh, oh, he yeah. would have a field day with this team. Yeah, that music Can video I- really uh, warmed up the soul on a warm on a winter's night. I'm waiting for the mind game of the opposing player using that song as his walk-up music. And look what happens to Yohan. If he can keep it together, God bless him. I wouldn't be able to handle it. Can I just, uh, real quick, I just have to talk about how excited I was about Lucas Giolito talking about wanting to step on other teams' throats. It was after all this COVID craziness and watching The Last Dance, it felt like something MJ or Pip would have said about those finals teams where it's like we knew we had to go out and step on their throats. And he is a young dude, but he's obviously taking a leadership role in this team. I feel like Anderson's right behind him on that. And they're talking about stepping on throats. I mean, that's the spirit that we wanted. I feel like it's half the reason Ricky got canned is because that team didn't have that vibe last year. And that's exciting as hell. There's a way where athletes can say all the right things, right? But you can also, at the same time, say all the wrong things. That cliche kind of works both ways. And I'm in agreement with you. I really love that. The fact that Tim Anderson is talking about unfinished business, that he's that these guys on this team are talking about how they took their foot off the gas pedal. It's not about us just racking up wins now and seeing how, you know, the sky's the limit. These guys seem like they still have that chip on their shoulder, that edge a little bit that was created by maybe Nick. You brought up this point last last year, that Dallas Keuchel thing of, you know, this shit isn't good enough. You know, you got to keep it tight. You got to bring it every single day to the ballpark. It seems like that that mantras continue to grow and mature through this team. And Eaton even said like Tim Anderson is a different dude from the last time he was around him. And it's true. Like Tim Anderson is a guy who is leading the charge. I mean, when we, the LaRusso signing, one of the biggest problems for me was, and Nick, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm moving on. And I think a big part of that is because if you heard Rick Hahn on Waddle and Sylvie the other day, it sounds like Rick Hahn is made peace with it. So that helps fans make peace of it you know what i mean but if eaton is seeing these dudes and go like whoa this is not the same team that i knew the last time i knew these guys tim anderson is a badass and now he's certifiable the one year wasn't a fluke the dude's a badass and people are taking note i'm not trying to sing the praises for tony lewis larusa here but and nick i want to ask you this question is it fair to maybe say though that in a simple you know logical way of just put it on paper tony larusa is an upgrade over ricky renteria 100 i mean he's got three world series rings he's been in baseball for 50 years uh you know he has managed through a variety of different decades with a variety of different personalities just think about ricky henderson and the bash brothers for example uh you know eaton and a few other guys last week said when tony speaks you shut up you listen to what he is saying. You can hear a pin drop. He commands respect. You know, I think that the, the LaRusa thing really was, I kind of wanted Han to do his job, and I don't think Han really was able to do his job. He was blindsided. Let's be real. He right. was blindsided by this. Right. And, you know, if Tony loves the game, which he does love the game, and if he had the thirst to get back into that uniform uh, and, and manage, 
hey, who am I to stop somebody for doing what they love to do? And the comments that you're hearing from Larusa are just, I think he's also a little taken aback of, oh, I heard how good these guys were. I saw it from up in the boxes and the replays, but holy cow, Bummer's got some amazing stuff. Oh my goodness, Tim Anderson as athletic. Giolito's filthy. You know, Hendricks, wow, I can't believe we, you know, we landed this guy. He brings an attitude. So, I mean, he is without a doubt an upgrade from Renteria. And it's part, I think, of that just image that they needed to, they needed to get right, Han and company. And, and to Reedy's point, thank you, Giolito, for saying that early in this spring training, we've been calling it for years, you know, Sox fans. It's not good enough to just hang on or when you need to send messages. And that's what's from the beginning in April and May, send a message to the AL Central. We are here and we're not going away. And it's also fair to say on the other side of the coin, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Tony La Russa this year. Probably maybe just as much pressure as Ricky Renteria had last year. You know, it is a little akin to a 73-year-old going back to an I.O. Herald team and saying, hey, I was on this team in 1982. I want to give it another go. But thankfully, this guy has the credentials of three World Series titles, so maybe needs a little bit more rope to see what he can handle. Well, we talk about the upgrades. It's like we go from Ricky to Tony La Russa. I think we can all agree that's an upgrade. We get a healthy Mancata. That's an upgrade. We get a Kopech back. That's an upgrade. So all the stuff that I was trying to grapple with being frustrated with the free agency piece. Well, aren't, aren't those three pretty major upgrades with a team that continues to still grow. And we haven't seen the best from everyone. I don't think we've seen the best from Eloy Jimenez, right? We definitely haven't seen the best from Luis Robert after his September. I think there's a lot to prove in a lot of different areas. And then, yeah, now we're just getting a couple of other guys like a Tim Anderson, Giolito in their prime, a couple of veterans still playing elite. The mix, I feel like, in terms of where a lot of these guys are in their careers right now is really what's fascinating and what's getting me really excited is it's not just everyone. It's not just 22-year-olds that don't know any better. It's not just a bunch of grizzled veterans trying to put together one last great season. Up and down, there's a balance that I find so intriguing that I think on a night to night basis is really going to help us win some games. The other piece of this too, is Tony has changed. His introductory press conference was like being at dinner with your grandpa when he falls asleep at the restaurant. It was so depressing and tough to watch and low energy. And this dude has changed now. Like he's, you can tell like Nick is talking about being near the batting cages, being near the pitchers. He is excited talking about these dudes talking about how many five-tool, six-tool guys he has, that's a difference. Yeah, I, I think as a human being and the stuff that he was grappling with in terms of the alcohol stuff, the DUI stuff, the will he be accepted, I mean, he's a human. I mean, he is got that had to weigh on his brain and how he was going to be received by the media. I think he was going through a ton of stuff, and we saw a very almost paralyzed uh, in his brain, uh, Tony Larusa, he looked really out of sorts, uncomfortable, almost like shocked. Like, wait a second, you picked my name out of the hat? Uh, that, that, did I hear that right? And Robin Ventura was been, like, Robin Ventura was like, been there, buddy. Been yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, you know, now you're hearing the beauty of spring training is, is we get to peel some layers off and we hear. Oh, soon after the hire, Tony Larusa moved to Arizona and started having conversations and relationships with Han and started to get to know some of the players that did want to stick around the facility in Arizona. 
So he seems like a completely different guy. And I think it's also, he, he, he's now understanding what he has now. He gets to, he gets to manage this unbelievable team. And I hate to say it, but a pretty kind of a weak AL central. I mean, the twins are still going to be there, but two of two of the five teams are rebuilding. Yeah. Tell that to Pakoda though. I mean, from that, yeah. it looks well, like good God. I mean, really? That is that. Okay. That is so ridiculous. Putting <laughs> those numbers into a big machine and spitting out, you know, and I know there's more that goes into it, uh, but Give me like you, you need to get some sort of human element before you start making those projections. I, I think everybody that is in the know has laughed at those Pakoda projections. Well, and that's what that's what really sucks about like I think Pakoda and other clickbait, other forms of simulations is if you give if it gives you a high number, it gives you a false sense of security. If it gives you a low number, it pisses you off. And, you know, that's really not why we're in this anyways. You know, you still have to play the games. Health plays a huge factor into huge. all this too as yeah. well. You know, how far is too far in terms of hazing Len Casper this summer? You know, is there too far with hazing Kermit the Frog? I think we can do it. And I think people can do whatever they like. Oh, I mean, Pat, not again. Oh. <laughs> Honest to God, I'm really excited to be able to listen to Len and uh, turn that on and have an enjoyable broadcast. Listen to the TV guys do such a great job. I mean, uh, since the John Rooney days, um, I haven't been this excited about turning on the radio. Yeah, no, I just wanted to throw it in there real quick. Uh, Nick, I want to hear you weigh in too. It just seems like a great team. I wasn't the biggest Ed Farmer guy. I'll be honest with you. DJ even still like never, I mean, you know, solid professional dude, but doesn't really do it for me. I do think Len's going to bring something nice to the radio booth. And it is fair to say that if there was like a ranking out there, you think Benetti and Stone are probably creeping into that top 10 now among tandems in, in, uh, in baseball right now. And in terms of having a great team with a great call, it's just going to be a great mix for uh, for summer baseball. I mean, Casper's hazing is that he has to call games with DJ. I mean, that that's the, that, that is the, and once, you know, and hey, DJ is like, he's trying to figure it out. I, he's still kind of like, I don't, but you're I 16. That, yeah, I, to figure it out. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I'm trying to take a, a positive <laughs> spin on this, but um, you know, I think he's going to, he'll make DJ better. And the fact that he knew, Hey, look, I want to call postseason, specifically world series. And I'm not going to do it uh, here on the North side. I'm going to do it on the South side. So I'm jumping ship. It's all about chemistry, though. And boy, when it clicks and you can tell with your ear, with your eyes, with both, that the personalities get each other and they enjoy being with each other. We got it with uh, Hawk and Tom Pachoric, and we got it with Farmer and Rooney. And uh, we've been getting it with Stone and Benetti. They seem to really enjoy. So I, that's what I just hope is that Casper and DJ find the click somehow. It doesn't look like the marriage that you would put, you know, you'd try to you know, put together, but it could, it could work. And, uh, and I just love that Casper's excited, you know, to be a part of this team. Yeah, that's a good point. Hopefully it does bring the most out of, out of old DJ there because I, I love Stony to pieces. I mean, that's almost next to Harry Carey. That's kind of the voice of my youth. Cause he's done both sides of town, but let's be honest, the dude was asleep for years and him and Hawk never really got along very well. But now that Benetti's back in the booth, he's just like, it's just like he's alive. You know what I mean? He's actually like intrigued and interested. Well, what's happening in the game? What Benetti is so smart and does is he knows that he has got a wealth of knowledge sitting next to him. And he tosses, and they're not just softballs, but he tosses things to Stone. What's your expertise on this? What would you do? 
when you talk about that type of grip, what do you really mean? What is a pitcher thinking here? Hawk wouldn't do that. I mean, there's an ego thing. Hawk was not going to, not going to make a stone. Back in my day, we were for the fastball. It, Great. It Thank you. Like, you know, and Stone's got to just be sitting there like, how can I work with this? Like, do you realize what you have here? And Benetti is so smart in a lot of different ways. And I think that is such a key way. He gives the spotlight to Stone. I want to get to some more stuff on the field real quick, but just one more quick semi-serious question for you gentlemen. Uh, spring training, it's time to get the pitch count up, you know, time to get the cuts in the cage, trying to ramp up, get ready. People got traditions and rituals. Baseball season's right around the corner. I personally have a couple of them. Do you guys have any rituals, traditions? How do you guys like to get ready for a baseball season? It could be physical. It could be mental. What are we, what are we looking at here? Pat, you want to go first? I'm more of an opening day guy where it's what kind of snowshoes am I going to put on in order to walk to the stadium? Uh, <laughs> I can't tell you how many flurry opening days I've been in. Uh, but that's really my biggest Nick. What do you got? You know, I will uh, for the first uh, spring training game, which is uh, this Sunday, the, the 28th. And it usually happens early uh, in spring training. The first few games, uh, we will do our own Chicago hot dogs. I will be boiling up some hot dogs. I'll get the sesame buns. I'll be, you know, steaming them. I'll be getting the peppers. I'll be getting the uh, the neon green relish. I'll be making myself some Chicago dogs. And if I can find, um, you know, a cheese caramel uh, corn mix uh, without having to fight off people in the lines downtown in the loop, mm. I will get some of that. And uh, I will feast uh, and I will try to stream the game or at least follow it, but celebrate that way. I'm mostly a movie guy. You know, I just I'll put on Field of Dreams major league, something like that to kind of get me into the mood. Also another tradition of mine. I like to get the sports illustrated one where it does all the teams and the breakdowns, oh, yeah. very similar to Pakoda. You kind of flip through it and you look and you go fourth place. And then you kind of like <laughs> scream at the magazine a little bit. Like that's kind of always a favorite tradition of mine. And you know, it's a long season and once it's there, it's on every single day. And I don't know. I think that's why I love it so much. Let's get a little bit more onto the field stuff. I was kind of looking at the April schedule real quick. We're riding this wave of optimism right now. Let's just say the team stays healthy. We get through spring training. You know, Jose Abreu, as of right now, he tested positive for COVID. He says that he's asymptomatic. Fingers crossed that everything's cool and he'll be ready to go opening day. But just kind of pulling it up here, this April schedule, I want to get your guys' thoughts. Angels, Mariners, Royals, Indians, Boston, Red Sox, Indians, Rangers, Tigers. Not a heavy murderer's row of teams that were playing. And then in May, Indians, Reds, Royals, Twins, KC, one more time. Pat, that sounds like a cupcake schedule where this team with so much talent could get off to an amazing start. Yes. And like Nick has talked uh, so many times about getting off to a big early start is such a huge deal later in the season. And I need to echo that because it's so right. But I think this year's White Sox team is going to be playing. Who scares you? Because it's nobody you just named. Like, no name on that list scares me, and that shows you how good this team is. I mean, Nick, do you have any team where you see them on the schedule and you're like, uh-oh, here they go? I mean, it's last year it was the Twins for me because they just beat the hell out of us. But, you know, who do you see on a schedule that makes you quake? I mean, I don't have a lot because this team's badass. N nobody outside the division, Pat. It's it's the Twins, and for, or for a couple of reasons, it's the Twins. The Twins uh, won the division. And, and they are the ones that you have to take down. And, and really, I think we've got a score to settle with Cleveland as well. You know, they embarrassed us and we embarrassed ourselves towards the end of this last season by being swept. And uh, I want to put it to them in May or in, in April. They matter so much. 
setting the tone for the rest of the season division games. But yeah, Joey, I, I don't, for that schedule, you just rattled off. I mean, we could easily go, you know, 23 and 10 or something, you know, the first month and a half, uh, you know, it, it's tough. April and May games are tough, especially in the Midwest, but they're also difficult, you know, in, in the summer, in late summer and September, it's a long season, there's injuries, you know, you're trying to get through to the finish line. So if you can come out and punch some people in the mouth, put your foot on their necks, you know, you know, go out and just have that attitude like Giolito was talking about uh, and, and really put that fear in Minnesota. And I, I think I think that's going to set you up for success uh, moving forward. And Nick, I want to follow up with you. What can we because I think it deserves a reiteration. What can we learn constructively from last year when the team opens up what one in five? that we can perhaps remind what I think we need to remind ourselves over and over again, that the team that we thought was so talented and loaded and could have a deep playoff run and, and ended up being a fantastic team, a number one seed, two weeks left in the season, they started off one and five. You know, we, we still need to kind of learn from moments like that when we're talking about out of the gate baseball. Well, you know, there's guys that, you know, guys like Robert and Madrigal and, uh, and you know what, if it trends the way everyone's saying Vaughn, uh, you know, Lynn in a White Sox uniform, Hendricks, that are going to want to put a, a good impression on, you know, and there's a lot of pressure that, you know, is, is already being put on this team. Uh, there's, a, there's a target on their back, even though they don't want to admit it. I think everybody that's in the know is looking at the Sox like, wow, I think you are the team to beat or one of the teams to beat in the American League. So it, it's really just, you know, you don't, not everybody um, you know, it has to be a hero. It's finding those moments. I think a guy that is really going to have to temper some of the emotions is a brave once he comes back healthy, the reigning MVP, buddy, you don't need to win the MVP again, you know, in, in April or May, you know, you've got a supporting cast, do what you do, your numbers, we know they're going to be there. Uh, and if, if that could be also Robert's message too, is like, we know you're a crazy talented guy. You don't have to prove or win the MVP in April. Just be patient. Know that your skills will carry through the rest of the summer. It is a marathon. And also for Abreu, keep in mind, if you're coming back from COVID, maybe relax. You might DH a few games early on. You yeah. don't have to play first base every single day. Pat, hop in. So the Vaughn thing scares me a little bit, and I want to get your guys' read on this. The Vaughn thing scares me about how much they're talking about him. So if it was me and I was running the White Sox and I actually wanted him to play on my team this year, I would be worried about tempering expectations for a guy that hasn't taken many cuts at the big league level. So I would say nothing about him publicly. I would do nothing to try and ramp up the pressure on that guy. And instead they're talking about him as if they're trying to talk up a trade piece. And I don't know. I want the White Sox to pick a lane. Like what's going on? Are you actually wanting to play? Well, then shut the hell up and let the dude play, stop putting more pressure than already going to be on a guy like him? Or are you actually trying to talk him up? And is this all a big game to try and get a trade, you know, a, a nice trade partner out of the deal? Where do you, where do you guys fall on that? Yeah, that's a great uh, point, uh, Pat, because what you're seeing, you know, if you subscribe to the athletic or, you know, Sun-Times or the Trib, or you're listening to some of LaRusa's um, interviews, you know, through NBC Sports Chicago, there's a lot of Vaughn talk. There's a lot of Burger talk. And there's a lot of Gavin Sheets talk. And I forgot Gavin Sheets was on the team, to be honest with you. And I kind of forgot that Jake Berger was still around. Uh, but we've been hearing for a while now that Vaughn was just going to be given the DH role. 
And now we're also hearing he's a monster. He can hit for power. He can hit opposite field. And yeah, you know, okay. Why don't you just keep that, you know, shut up. Cause that's not the, that's not the Sox way. They keep things very, very quiet. So, I mean, are they hyping up Berger and Sheets and Vaughn as a potential like trade bait with other guys like Lambert and Stever in terms of arms? Um, you know, everything you've been hearing, though, about Vaughn when he was drafted is this guy can rake. He is going to be most likely your future first baseman. Not right now because the Braves not going to give that up. But I agree with you, Pat. I That's a lot of pressure for a guy going into World a Series expectation season to just to say, here you go. Here's our D.H., who has never hit above double A, he's going to be the guy that's going to be starting us off. It's a shocking move, but, you know, maybe it can work. But I, I agree. There's a lot of chatter. There's too much chatter, actually. Yeah, it really kind of blows my mind. It's not like that they're bereft of people that we could be talking about right now. And I do feel like we're hearing a hell of a lot about Andrew Vaughn. And it's a dice roll, right, where the guy comes out of the gate and it's 182 the first month. And they pull the, hey, he needs to go back down to the minors for some seasoning. There's nothing wrong with that, White Sox fans. But what that does is it kind of burns a bullet on the roster for this season. Now, the thing that I do like about, you know, everyone's like, well, we didn't really go out and we we didn't find that left-handed power hitter. We don't really have right field locked up. I personally, I'm actually in a really great spot with that. And I do think that they're hoping and banking on Andrew Vaughn kind of picking up the slack because the two Adams in right field, you know, Engel and Eaton right now, I think maybe all of us can agree that it isn't exactly an ideal scenario out there. But what I do see, and maybe this plays in a little bit to that Andrew Vaughn conversation is that I do like that the way that the White Sox have it set up is, you know, when you, they get to the trade deadline, what are the two easiest things to acquire for pretty much like 50 cents on the dollar? For me personally, it's corner outfielders that hit for power. You know what I mean? Like Cole Calhoun, you know, a guy who's just having a good season in that moment at that time. You know, they can go out and they can target that. And then the fourth and fifth starter, which we're going to get into in a little second. So they are, I think, in a position where I can almost guarantee at this point, we are going to see additions to this roster at some point. You know, when and how and what the pieces are going to be are probably going to be a little bit up in the air. But I'm with you on, I mean, look, I feel like I was ahead of the game on Andrew Vaughn last year. I remember I was asking you guys questions of like, bring him up. You know what I mean? Like, let's see what it is. And I think you guys were right to, you know, kind of hang back and, try and get this guy a little bit more at bats. I, I love his talent. I love his ceiling as well. But the, the chatter is very, very strange, especially when you have Adam Eaton now on your team in right field. Is this some sort of weird thing where we're trying to get Eloy Jimenez to commit to playing defense or there's going to be consequences in terms of the DH rotation? You know, the thing about Vaughn last year that, uh, of course, you know, going down the stretch and into the playoffs, it would have been nice to have some pop. And they seem to be very confused with that Oakland series and how they were going to handle that. Uh, My concern was you're going to take an unproven guy and you're going to put him in there. Um, You know, and that's what they kind of did with Zach Collins. They threw a guy in and which, where is he at? You know, can we get somebody to find Zach Collins? What's going on with this guy? I I feel like, you know, that was, that was too much pressure at that point. We're trying to get a bat in, in October in a critical series. However, they did the same thing and they put Collins in that situation, which he was never really tested. So this, this, you know, left-handed power or this DH situation has been on, you know, Han's list for the last couple of years. And I am frustrated that it wasn't really solved. Now, if they have a lot of faith in Vaughn, 
great, but you don't want to turn him into like a Matt Davidson or a Daniel Polka where he has a great April or May and then boom, that's it. He, he like dropped off. He couldn't handle the slump. He didn't know how to get out of it. A lot of pressure was on him. And then the median fans got to him. That, that's just not setting him up for success. Well, and that's a big risk for a short, uh, a short-term return, right? Let me just throw this at you guys real quick. I mean, this is just spitballing here. A guy like Jackie Bradley Jr. Does that does that do anything for you? I'm not saying a guy that's going to hit for power, but it does get you in a situation where it bar none improves your defense. You do op- kind of open up that slot a little bit at DH with Eloy, and it kind of gives you a little bit more flexibility in terms of how you're going to mix and match Eaton. Angle and Jackie Bradley Jr., you know, a little bit too much of a good thing, or you know, could that be something? I mean, the dude's got to sign with somebody at some point, and it looks like the money is probably going to be pretty amenable. Nick, go first. Well, I, I think that could work, but what you're hearing now are that some of these potential free agents want playing time, and they're looking at the Sox roster and they're saying, Oh man, you're locked and kind of a, you're, you're committed to Illoy and left, you're committed to the Adam Adam. Yeah, so, where Brian. do I fit in? Where, where do I fit in? I don't want just to be, you know, a Sunday player, a couple days a week player. Like I really want to get my at bats. You know, I still see myself playing in this league for several more years. So I'm not, I'm just not a bit guy. Like I really want a prime time spot. And that's where the Sox are kind of in a weird situation of they could probably use those guys, but it's a little too late right now because they have those spots. Well, and like Rick Hahn was saying in that same interview, he sees the White Sox as those nineties Braves teams where like Nick saying, he's going to have to fight with guys on the roster now, but also if it's more than a one-year deal, he's got to worry about people coming from the pipeline. And so, mm-hmm. like Joey's saying, what free agents looking at that and going like, oh, that's how I'm going to get my next big deal. I don't think the White Sox are the team that's going to get a free agent that's still out there, that next big contract. So I don't see any of those guys coming. I'd be all for it. I love proven MLB players, but I don't think it's happening. Well, and it definitely will come down to terms too, right? Where if you're kind of looking back where, you know, Edwin Encarnacion, Nomar Mazzara didn't really work out, but guess what? One-year deals, able to move on from them fairly quickly and able to kind of keep the turnstiles rolling a little bit. Let's take a quick break and have a brief moment to talk about our new sponsor, eBay. Whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for at eBay. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to cop the best pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators a team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box the logo the stitching and dozens of other inspection points each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of what did i say authenticity and it also protects sellers with a verified return process and for the sneaker sellers out there ebay has eliminated selling fees and sneakers over 100 making it free to sell or flip your collection so go to ebay.com sneakers today ebay the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection now back to the pod just to stick with that right field we're talking about outfield rotation right now pat you're gonna go first let's just talk about a concern you know what's your biggest concern right now heading into spring training the fifth starter spot right field on a daily basis or is there a mystery category i think the right field will figure itself out i think production somebody will absolutely take that and kind of lead the charge on it where the decision will be made for them the fifth starter thing scares the hell out of me I just don't know where it's coming. I know there's tons of great possibilities and I think there's a lot of great chances for things to come to fruition, but I don't know what that answer is. And I don't think any of us do. Right. 
Well, no, it's what Ronaldo Lopez, Carlos Rodon. I mean, everyone wants to throw Michael Kopech out there, but guess what? He's going to be in an innings limit. You want to burn through 100 innings in April, May, and June, or would you rather have those in second half of the season? Uh, a couple things I'm looking at. I mean, one is one is the backup catcher situation. Uh, if Jonathan LaCroix really is battling with Zach Collins and LaCroix gets the position, what in God's name happens to Zach Collins? I mean, he's got to be done. I don't see a place for him on this team. Uh, the fifth starter is is very scary, and that's why I look at guys like Jake Ordorizzi. You know, so why I was really I was really eventually disappointed that Quintana just didn't get the money and came back with the Sox. The fact that Carlos Rodon seems to feel like he was promised a starting pitching position when he re-signed with the team is troublesome to me. However, what you're hearing about Ethan Katz, the new pitching coach, is that he is a magician. He has fixed like four of our pitchers. Uh, all, we, all you need to do is tweak this, tweak that. Um, so I, I'm happy with our big three. It seems like Cease is... You know, he's got his head right, and, and I'm really looking forward to Cease having an opportunity. It's that fifth starter. And if it is Rodon, that is, to me, personally, a, I'm worried about that. That is problematic if it's really going to be Rodon. How is it that Hendricks is going, I got to fight for the closer's job, and and other people think that they have the gig? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. What the hell? Yeah, I, I mean, that is – I love that Hendricks is creating that uh, – that rivalry with himself. He seems to be that kind of guy that just like looks at himself in the mirror and he's like, you are my competition. And Rodon's like, Oh, you they told piece me he's a garbage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, Rodon, like, Hey, again, what I've, we've all said this, he could have the most talent. We just never knew about, but he could, he just can't stay healthy. So if he's fixed himself and he has fixed his mechanics and he's fully healed from all of the stuff that's been going on the last couple of years, but I, you know, if they're so high on Kopech right now, which is nothing but positive things from everybody, including Larusa about Kopech, you know, innings be damned. Just throw him in there in the fifth starter position. Well, and I was going to follow it up with what's your guys' comfort level on? You know, I'm just going to read off a list, and this isn't even the full list. You know, uh, Zach Birdie, Aaron Bummer, Garrett Crochet, Evan Marshall, Jimmy Cordero, Liam Hendricks, as we mentioned, Cody Hewer. There is a world where we could do a bullpen by committee in certain situations during certain stretches of the season, you know, what's your guys comfort level with that? If it sort of comes to that. Totally fine with that. I, I still think having crochet for a full season is an upgrade. It's one of the guys I left off of the upgrades from last year. I, I don't know about like a traditional opener, but you know, if you did have a, a Kopech situation where yeah, first two or three innings, it's Kopech. And then you go Hewer crochet, you know, bullpen by committee in that spot. Does that make you a little nervous or do you think the Sox could pull it off? Cause they do have the depth, but it's very, you know, unconventional. It is unconventional. And what I think worries me about that is in a world series expectation year, it is so unconventional to go that route. Like we were supposed to be locked one to five starting rotation and they just have such a, a dynamite bullpen right now. If you do an opener and you and Kopech is going to be a guy that's going to open I'm worried that if they truly think Kopech is a long-term uh, starter, he's just not going to get the innings to build up, you know, his arm strength. If he's just pitching one or two and then you're handing the ball off to, you know, Marshall or Bummer that's going to string it to Crochet and, and, and beyond. Um, I just, I feel like Kopech needs to get innings. He needs to get confidence in that starter position. Um you know, may, maybe it is bullpen. I've heard a lot of rumors that he might start in bullpen, you know, in, but whoever you talk to, they might say, 
you know, he's destined uh, once May comes around, he's destined for triple a once the minors start, he's going to go down there. I, I feel like that would not be the right move. I, I, mean, I think he's got a break with the big league club. And, really? Yeah, I, I really do. I think he's going to get his innings here in the big league club. Why, why let him sit around and go to AAA in May? You know, yes, he hasn't pitched in a major league game in a couple of years. Understandable. But this dude is a workout nut. You know, if he, he's healthy enough. It seems like he's mentally right. And he hasn't just been sitting around like he has been throwing. If he looks good, like, what are we waiting for? Let's see what we have with this guy right now. Yeah, I I, I love this because we're kind of disagreeing a little bit. My counterpoint to it would be just the concept of you can control a lot more of his, the finishing touches of his rehab, you can control a little bit more in that first month sending him to AAA, where if you do, let's say, if you want to do that pitch count, if you want to do whatever, it's not W's and L's on the major league level where you're kind of pulling him out and making sure that he's checking all the boxes. Yeah, I think, too, let him go beat up on some AAA dumps. You know what I'm saying? Like, let him go get some confidence, go play against some people who he can beat up, gain that confidence, and then maybe join the club later. I have no idea, but he's a fragile dude. I, I worry about three bad outings in a row. Then what do we have? When I, when I was in uh, sixth grade, my PE teacher, Mr. Squires, said, when you're running the 50-yard dash, find the fastest person in class, line up against that person, and, and race that person, and, and you will be better for it. And that is my argument with Michael Kopik. Get out on that rubber, young man, and prove you need to be on this, on this ball club. I mean, he's already been out there, too. You would think, God, he's like chomping at the bit. And he's saying all the right things, right? I mean, he's two years removed from actually playing in a game. He's saying all the right things. I think he said something along the lines of, I didn't even realize like how bad I missed the game until it was taken away from me. So yeah. I, I could definitely see a scenario. And look, he's already been up in the big leagues. This isn't like a guy who's already made his major league. Well, let's see what he does in spring training. Give him some starts. You know, I feel like the eye test, a guy like LaRusso that's been around forever. It's This isn't the first time he's dealt with something like this. You know, if we're putting a lot of trust in him, then I think you have to continue that uh, mantra. Let's get you guys out of here on this high note. Um, this is a little bit of a... A smorgasbord, do whatever you like. I mean, just what has you guys the most excited? Is it an individual player? Is it a part of the team? Is it, you know, the, the offense, the lineup, the bullpen, the starting pitching, the whole thing? Is it Tony Larusa? <laughs> Is it Len Casper in the radio booth? What, like, right now just has you guys the most excited? When you turn on the TV, what do you want to see on your White Sox television? Well, I mean, to go back to what we said at the beginning, it's the fact that we're literally saying as Sox fans, it is World Series or bust. And my mentality always is good pitching beats good hitting. And what we've established now, what we've built with this bullpen and the arms that are coming in and like the conversation we just had of what to do with these arms and should we put them here? Put, these are all good problems to have. Yes. I mean, other teams are looking at us like, oh, that's too bad. You don't know what to do with some of those guys. Wow, man, I wish I had that problem. I gotta, oh, you have too many. <laughs> too power many. On throat? Oh, okay. Yeah. Where are we going to no, put all these guys? Where yeah. are you going to go? No. So I am excited for the pitching. I'm excited to see Lance Lynn. He just has a makeup that is so South side. Like I expect him after a game, like going over to turtles or something and just buying a pitcher for everybody. If you can do that safely and like getting wings and just sitting down with folks and enjoying himself, he uh, is going to fit in really well. I, it's the pitching for me. I, I got to jump. I got to piggyback on that. It's the embarrassment of riches. It's the 
too many guys that can play right field, too many guys that can DH, too many guys who can play in the bullpen. So, yeah, do we have a couple of holes? Yes. But I'm totally with Nick. It is that. It's the embarrassment of riches where we're having all these good problems versus bad. And as a White Sox fan, I got to be grateful. I'm almost in the same boat. I just keep thinking I was trying to answer my own question yesterday. And I was going to go with individual player. But then I started going, you know, my first guy that came to my head was Tim Anderson. Just because this guy continuously becomes a superstar before our very eyes and keeps getting better every single year. And I'm almost like, how is he going to top it this year kind of thing? And then I was like, oh, no, you know, I would like to see big country Lance Lynn. I do want to see him pumping on the mound, throwing a 97 mile an hour fastball in the fifth, sixth inning. I don't know. You know, I think about it. I do have my La Pantera tank top. I would like to, you know what I mean? Like, and you just keep going through the list. There is no right or wrong answer of like, who's the most talented, you know, who's the best on this team. Who are you the most excited to watch? Because the list goes, I think maybe six or seven deep. And people would argue that it's probably a little bit deeper and, you know, I just I just want opening day to be here. And I know that we talked about it a little bit more on the pod. And of course, we're not doctors. We're not advocating. We're not speculating. But I think we can all agree real quick that we are hoping we are hoping that, you know, at some point, White Sox fans at whatever capacity they decide, hopefully maybe get a chance to see this team. You know, even if it is late August, late September, hopefully everything goes OK. Hopefully, you know, everyone can get in the stadium and see this team. Because the big knock on the White Sox for years in Chicago is, well, no one goes to the games. This is the one year where I think White Sox fans are dying to get out to the ballpark. Pat, hop in. Dude, I'll wait till August. I've been waiting for a good team for how many years? Can I wait a couple more months to go watch a great team play baseball? Yeah. So I'll wait it out, and I can't wait to get there. So whenever that is, I don't care. I have been waiting so long for this great team. It's finally here. Let's go. But I will happily wait till they give me the green light. Yeah, this is kind of a funny, this is a philosophical question. And it's kind of a personality test. But Nick, when you when you think about this, do you think about the bad the good years or do you think about the bad years when you've got an amazing talented team sitting on your doorstep and what's about to happen? Do you think more about Adam LaRoche or do you think more about, you know, like the 0506 White Sox teams? Yeah, and this, you know, that's a great question. I think of the bad teams. I think yeah, what you went through, right? Yeah. I think of the Dylan Covey experiment, the, you know, Jeff Keppinger, like some of these, like some of these. Yeah, so much, so many names a guy can take, Nick. Good Lord. That was such a natural groan. Because it's true. Like, you know, even beyond, even before the official rebuild, it was just problematic. And uh, Matt Latos and some of these guys that <laughs> you're like, ah, oh, man, there's always hope, right? As a Sox fan, there's always hope. Like, ah, maybe they can figure it out. Maybe this team might not be that bad. And then by like July, you're like, yeah, they're really bad. That was yeah. uh, that. How did, why did I think that was actually going to work? So the fact that they've got, uh, a, a team that's rock solid and they want to extend like this isn't just going to be a 2021 thing we're hoping for like four to five years uh it makes me it's, it just makes me giddy you know and just say all right we lived through some horrible stuff like now we're now we're going to reap it it's gonna be yeah great. i do think a little bit about the other side just a touch you know because it's not like the white Sox were this team that was always trying to pinch pennies right granted they never gave out big contracts but they were always every single season it seemed like they would take ingredients from different fast food restaurants and throw them in a salad and hope to God that it fucking tasted good, which didn't always <laughs> happen But when they by the players that you just named. But now we're on the other side of it and it's feeling pretty good. Pat, which which side of the, the philosophical bent are you on this one? 
I'm not kidding. Some of those names on Nick's list made me feel like I stubbed my White Sox fan toes uh, just hearing their names. Uh, I've blocked out so much of that crap. I can't even tell you. I am 2005 in last year and this year. That's that's all I care to focus on, because if I think about the other stuff, I'm going to lose my mind. So uh, I watched all that garbage baseball. I've I've had to like kick it out of my brain space and I am looking forward to 2021. There's a catatonic Pat Reedy just uh, oh. just going through the motions of White Sox games for the last okay. 12, 13. Bartolo Colon back for the sixth time. Interesting. Uh, so the other day I sat down and I watched all of James Shields starts just to just to make sure I ah! when I could. So when this goes right and I, you know, I, I just wanted to appreciate like, you know, so I, I put myself through some of that just in preparation for the good times. Right after Tatis signed that contract, you went and watched all of James Shields starts. <laughs> Good lord. Let's do a contrast and compare real quick. A guy who's throwing like Gary Busey in rookie of the year slash Bruce Willis at the end of Die Hard. And uh the guy who's gonna be on the cover of MLB the show. We needed an arm. We needed an arm. When Kenny sees what he wants, oh, yeah. focus oh, yeah. target and goes out and he gets what he wants. Rick Hahn slapping his palm to his forehead in three, two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now again, that year we started twenty three and ten, and it was like John Danks' arm literally fell off. They found it in Lot B, like some fan was kicking it around, and they needed they needed an arm, so they just you know they did the, they hey they made a they made a move. So oh my god. Uh, gentlemen, let the good times roll on the south side. Let's get through the spring nice and healthy. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining the show today. Hope to bring you back just before the season starts when we can kind of really drill in on some of the nuts and bolts with this team. Make some predictions and then and then uh, let the horses out of the stable and let it ride. And hopefully it's going to be a really special season for the Chicago White Sox. Pat Reedy and Nick Murawski, thanks for joining me, my friends. Great to see you. Thanks, buddy. Always a pleasure, buddy. This was Believe in Betting Chicago with Joe Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Make sure you head to the website or on your mobile device to get 50% off your first deposit at BetOnline.ag. Thank you so much for listening to the pod, you guys. Have a great weekend. We're coming back with a lot of fantastic pods next week, so make sure you check that out. Until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. We will talk soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.